0: Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from
1: Bengaluru in India. I'm an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore. In this episode, we will look at Prime Minister Narendra Modi's first state visit to the United States in the ninth year of his prime ministership. But before we delve into it, we urge you, the listeners, to subscribe to our channel India Rising wherever you are listening to us. Also, if you are listening to us on YouTube, do not forget to press the bell icon to be notified about our new episodes. And lastly, if you have not left us a review, we urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. And now, let's get started. As we all know, Prime Minister Narendra Modi uh, visited the United States, uh, has visited the United States on multiple occasions in the nine years of his uh, prime ministership but it was never a state visit and this was the first time that we had a state visit uh, which in itself is a little surprising given the warm growth that we have seen in the Indo-US relationships. Be that as it may this state visit was very significant in and of itself and that is what we will talk about today. So uh, let's talk about the primary takeaway of the State Wizard. And I'll start with something that caught my attention real big. And that is something called ISET, Initiative on Critical and Emerging Technologies. So what is ISET really? ISET was some kind of an initi- initiative between the United States and India, where both of them uh, had decided that they will Uh, bond closer in terms of the emerging technologies. So uh, this uh, was in the making for a long time. It was formally launched on Jan 31, 2023 by the two national security advisors, Jake Sullivan and Ajit Doval in Washington DC. It was based on the direction of uh, President uh, Joe Biden and Prime Minister Narendra Modi who after their Tokyo meeting in May 2022 uh, on the sidelines of uh, Quad uh, Summit, had announced to elevate and expand the, the, expand the strategic technology partnership and different industrial cooperation between the governments, businesses, and academic institutions of the two countries. So in a way, this was uh, two technical uh, uh, communities, coming together and uh, evolving and learning from each other to ensure that uh, they try to stay at the forefront of uh, emerging technologies. So uh, the essential focus was on strengthening the uh, partnership on the technologies that will drive global growth, bolster both countries' economic competitiveness, and protect shared national security interests. Uh, This was not a coincidence, for instance, that uh, Modi's ongoing visit was preceded by a meeting of the first U.S.-India strategic trade dialogue in June, so that all hurdles under whatever regimes they had, called ITAR and EAR, are smoothened for the U.S. companies to engage engage in joint production of high-tech systems such as aircraft engines, munition technologies, and armed drones in India. This was, uh, I directly quoted uh, Srimai Talagdar from an article that he had written in first post. But essentially, this was uh, the kind of uh, the culmination of a year, year and a half long uh, initiative that they had taken. So on the defense side, ISAT announced a new bilateral defense industrial cooperation roadmap that will be intended to accelerate defense technology cooperation for joint development and production. Now, again, focused on uh, exploration related to jet engines and other technologies. And under the ISAT, both countries will now sign a new implementation arrangement for a research agency partnership between the National Security Foundation and the Indian science agencies to expand international collaboration in a range of areas, including AI, quantum technologies, and uh, advanced wireless to build a robust, innovative ecosystem between the two countries. Again, I quoted here uh, from uh, Jomijos Pulakaran's article. So essentially, uh, the underlining thing is that uh, this uh, this bonding that you see or this initiative between the two countries that you see is definitely for the long term and uh, the impact that you see will be felt much, much later in the future rather than any short-term benefits. Uh, Mohal, so this is about the yeah. And
0: then uh, one thing I wanted to add is like uh, also uh, the national security advisor, the U.S. national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. So he was in New Delhi on June 13th, which was just like probably like less than two weeks before uh, Prime Minister Modi's visit to uh, Washington, D.C. Right. And I think they had a, a comprehensive meeting uh, with the, the Indian counterparts, including the... Uh, I think he met like Prime Minister Modi, External Affairs Minister uh, Subramaniam Jayashankar and also obviously his counterpart, uh, India's National Security Advisor Ajit Doval. And they had a broad range of discussion on various strategic, uh, regional and bilateral issues. And uh, obviously they unveiled a roadmap for cooperation in the on this ISET initiative on critical and emerging technologies. But I think one thing I wanted to point out is like some people have pointed out that not only uh, was it like uh, Ajit Doval and Jake Sullivan in the meeting, also importantly, all the three deputy national security advisors of India, the chief of defense staff, chief of air staff, chief of naval staff, the military advisor, the chairman of NTRO, uh, uh, the defense secretary, the raw chief and IB chief, basically that's like the entire brass, intelligence uh, and security brass of the Mm -hmm. uh, India was present at the meeting. So this is like a very high level. Usually we don't see like all these people present in one location, especially in a public location uh, at the same time. So the the June 13th meeting in New Delhi that preceded uh, Prime Minister's Modi visit also had was a very high profile meeting.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Uh, Yeah. So uh, you want to, uh, you want to take it forward uh, Mohan?
0: Yeah. So uh, as part of the uh, agreements uh, or negotiations between the United States and India, like they, in the, and also a lot of them is mentioned in the joint statement that was released afterwards. So a lot of the fields were covered. I mean, especially in terms of emerging and critical technology. So, the, one of the most biggest one was uh, uh, semiconductors. Now, uh, Micron, basically, they have promised to invest like uh, $800 million towards an assembly and test facility in India. Uh, another semiconductor company, Applied Materials, said it will build a semiconductor center for commercialization and innovation in India to uh, strengthen the semiconductor supply chain diversification and lastly Lam research has said that they will train around 60,000 Indian engineers uh, to accelerate India's semiconductor education and workforce development goals now as we know like uh, India is not like a major production of uh, producer of semiconductors so this is like a a good opportunity for India to become more self-reliant Obviously, like it's a very capital intensive and a technological, highly technical expertise is required. So it will take time for India to become completely self-sufficient. But Mm -hmm. this would uh, help us move in that uh, right direction with the help of uh, not only like the public, but also the private enterprises, uh, which be like the Micron technology, Applied Materials and LAMB research. Uh, So moving on to like the critical minerals partnership. So the the US welcomed India into the minerals security partnership, which was basically established to accelerate the development of uh, diverse and sustainable critical minerals, you know, uh, supply chain across the world. So India gets to join an exclusive club of 12 other countries plus the European Union uh, in this uh, critical sorry the mineral security partnership. Uh, Also, interestingly, like India's Epsilon Carbon Limited uh, has promised to invest 650 million in a greenfield electrical vehicle battery component factory, uh, which will generate like employment of 500 employees over the course of five years. So and then also is reported that when approved, uh, this synthetic graphite anode processing facility will be the largest Indian investment in U.S. electrical vehicle battery industry in American history. So, as you know, like electrical vehicle adoption is quite picking up in the U.S. So, this will be, a uh, interestingly, an Indian investment into U.S. Uh, versus mm-hmm. the other way around.
1: Uh, any any idea which state in the U.S. this will be in?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I have to look it up at this moment. So, I don't, okay. I'm not aware. I think you can maybe Google it. Like. <laughs> I like, how are the other point. So, uh, advanced telecommunications uh, field. So, India and U.S. launched a public-private partners joint task force to on the development of Open RAN systems and on advanced telecom research and development. And India's Bharat 6G and the U.S. NextG alliance will co-lead this uh, public-private research. Now, another exciting frontier was the space. Now, India had signed the Artemis Accords, which is a common vision of space exploration. Uh, India joins uh, a small set of 26 other countries which have committed to the peaceful, sustainable and transparent cooperation that will enable exploration of Moon, Mars and beyond. So NASA will now provide advanced training to uh, ISRO astronauts with the goal of launching a joint effort to the International Space Station in 2024. So this is kind of interesting. I mean, as we had heard before, that uh, the the Soviets, uh, the sorry, actually the Russians, I would say, have been helping uh, our Gaganyan yes, astronauts, the Indian astronauts who are uh, planning a manned mission uh, in space. I believe it was, the, the last I checked was like 2024 or uh maybe like plus or minus one year I don't remember the exact year. So now it's kind of interesting. And I mean even India's first manned uh or actually India's only uh person to send in space like uh Rakesh Sharma was mm-hmm. sent about a Soyuz aircraft in the I think the mid the early, 1980. 1980, early yeah, 1980s early 1980s. Mm-hmm. So uh we have always relied on like more on the Soviet cooperation for manned space flight so now, interestingly, NASA is also going to help us reach the International Space Station. So it'll be inter- interesting to see how we blend the training from the Russian and the American side. Kishor, sure?
1: yeah. So uh, again, uh, uh, not many people knew what the Artemis Accords were. So uh, this is again a group of countries. Uh, the uh, established by the US State Department and NASA uh, with seven other founding members. Australia, Canada, Italy, Japan, Luxembourg, United Arab Emirates, and the United Kingdom in 2020. Essentially for setting common principles to govern civil exploration and use of outer space, moon, Mars, comets, asteroids, all of these for peaceful purposes. And of course, as you said, Uh, The number of countries now have uh, skyrocketed. It's now around 26, right? That's what you mentioned. So, yeah. So, again, this is a a U.S. initiative. Uh, Not surprising at all that it does not contain China or Russia, but India is now a part of it. Mohan?
0: Yeah. And also, like, a couple of uh, things on the space frontier. So, scientific payloads for a synthetic aperture Radar, satellite, I think, which was already agreed even before this visit, uh, they'll be delivered to India and they'll be used to measure the Earth's changing ecosystems and sea level rise and uh, other stuff, you know. So now moving on to the quantum com- quantum and advanced computing and artificial intelligence. Uh, India and United States have established a joint indo us quantum coordination mechanism to facilitate joint research between the public and private sectors across the both countries uh i mean through its ai research center in bangalore oh sorry bangalore google is building models to support over like 100 indian languages and working with indian institute of science to support the open sourcing of speech data for uh, ai models so i mean there's a lot of uh, i mean as you know like Artificial intelligence is like the buzzword nowadays uh, across the world. So this is also furthering the partnership for uh, doing joint development and research in artificial intelligence and quantum technologies. Mm -hmm. And uh, last but not least, also, there is uh, some investments uh, in fiber optics. So India Sterlite Technologies has invested like 100 million in the construction of an optical fiber cable manufacturing near Columbia, South Carolina, which will facilitate uh, around like 150 million in annual exports of optical fiber from India. So it's kind of interesting that some of these investments, it's like from the US to uh, India, but also importantly, some of these investments are also going in the opposite direction from uh, india to the u.s you sure
1: yeah okay uh, so this is about uh, the uh, uh, the core uh, semiconductor slash critical minerals uh, space uh mohal you also want to talk about uh, the other thing that caught everybody's attention the uh, general electric f414 engine
0: yeah, so uh, this was like a pretty big deal uh, in the eyes of many. I mean, what has been promised as per the reports is like co-manufacturing of the General Electric F-414 engine. So now uh, the F-404, which is the predecessor of the 414, is already being used in the in, in, in Indian Air Force. So the Tejas uh, Mark one is powered by the uh g Gf- f404 engines now in india while has achieved like uh self-reliance or At- atmanirbata as the prime minister likes to say in lot of this uh aerospace field one thing that we've been lacking is like a world-class uh engine that can power your fighter aircraft and this has been a quite quite a challenge as part of the rafael deal i think that we mentioned earlier Podcast, uh as part of the offsets from safran uh like the manufacturer in uh, uh, in france uh and SMECMA, uh we were supposed to get the transfer of technology which would help us uh, with our indigenous cavalry engine mm-hmm. but those uh transfer of technology or offsets whatever you call it haven't uh Brought like the end result in our so unfortunately we would have to rely at least on the uh, the next set of airplanes uh made indigenously in India to have a foreign engine so uh if this co-manufacturing deal works through it will help uh, alleviate the issue of uh, us not being having a homegrown uh, engine. So, uh, anyways, coming back to the present day, so around like, as per reports, like seventy-five F-404 engines have been delivered, and I think around around hundred more odd are on order for the Tejas Mark One and Mark One A, if I remember correctly. Now, the Tejas Mark Two, which is still under development, it requires a more powerful jet engine and it requires a bigger engine. So, I believe the F-404, if I read correctly, I think it has like a max eighty maybe a little bit less than 80 kilonewton uh worth of thrust while the f414 is a more advanced and has around 100 and it as per some reports you can even be engineered to go to like 110 plus kilonewton of thrust which would be like more appropriate for uh the teja smart 2 which mm-hmm. will be uh if it's in the development and hopefully we can get it by the end of the decade if all things work out and also our fifth generation future future fighter aircraft the MK or the advanced medium combat aircraft so if this GSG hal deal to co-produce the F- in- engines in india comes to fruition then uh, it will be like a game changing uh, moment in terms of uh, not having to import all these engines now as per some reports uh In India, I wouldn't say in the US, they have been mentioned about 70 or even 80% transfer of technology, but only if time will tell if this comes to fruition to that extent. I mean, we have seen with the original Rafal deal or the MMRCA deal that there was a agreement to manufacture, uh, I mean, the first one squadron of the rafale was to be manufactured in U- in france and then the rest the to be manufactured under uh, hal in india but the day as I say the devil lies in the details and the deal fell through and then uh, the india government had to renegotiate the deal so lot to be seen on this front i mean but it's a definitely an exciting development where uh, if hal can produce these engines it will help one of the critical shortfalls in the uh aircraft development program in india you sure Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Uh, yeah definitely interesting times ahead uh transfer of technology complete transfer of technology is something that we need to watch out for uh okay so we'll quickly move on to the other aspects uh, geopolitical uh, aspects and one other thing that uh, again uh, i noticed was the joint statement and in the joint statement, uh, the uh, strong statement on Pakistan was something that caught my attention. Now, we all know that uh, post the uh, uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan is not uh, front and center for the U.S. anymore. Of course, uh, uh, a lot of bad blood also surfaced when uh, the Pakistani Prime Minister uh, Imran Khan lost uh, uh, the vote of no confidence in uh, their parliament and had to step down, and uh, there was a change of guard. So effectively, uh, the US-Pakistan relationship is going through some turbulent times. And uh, the joint statement now, uh, wherein uh, uh, Pakistan was singled out uh, for uh, all the terrorist organizations that are still working uh, based out of uh, the Pakistani soil. I think that uh, <clears throat> underscored uh, how much uh, US since eye to eye with India in terms of uh, establishing the uh, modus operandi of the terror groups and also referred to the 2611 Mumbai attacks and the Patankot attacks. So I- essentially uh, is that uh, the US is firmly behind India on this one. And any amount of uh, sugar coating that these are non state actors by by the Pakistani uh, powers is definitely not uh, being bought by the US uh, influencers. So I think that was, uh, again, a bit uh, significant. Now, the other thing, uh, moving on, the other thing that again caught my attention was uh, the statement of Ukraine. I mean, definitely, while Pakistan is something that would be added maybe on uh, the uh, maybe on the insistence of india a statement on ukraine again would be added uh, uh, definitely on the insistence of the united states now the statement seemed to be pretty mild to be honest it called for respecting territorial sovereignty which is okay now uh, again uh, this was uh, the uh, the max that modi government and india uh, would go uh, in terms of calling out uh, Russia for its war in Ukraine. Now, in in all respects, this could be considered as a mild rebuke to Russia, nothing more than that. But then uh, again, uh, uh, a, a small deviation from uh, what uh, India, again, had been talking about in the past uh, year or so, wherein it kept telling that stop all your hostilities and then get back to the uh, uh, discussion table, but now uh, an additional dimension has been added now wherein they are telling uh, uh, respect uh, the territorial sovereignty. So I think that was interesting. Now, another thing that Modi had said long ago uh, has uh, had caught a uh, lot of attention in the US. Modi had said that this is not an era for war, this is not the time for war. So that uh, had uh, generated a lot of interest in in the US, simply because uh, the US uh, diplomatic circles, the US foreign policy circles, looked at India as a a country that was taking an ambivalent stand while purchasing oil, Russian oil, and still uh, trying to uh, have different deals with the US. So I think this statement, Uh, caught uh, the attention in Washington, D.C., long time ago. And uh, even in the speech to the Congress uh, this time around, Modi re-emphasized that this was uh, definitely not the time for the war. So I think all that uh, cumulatively uh, signified a slight shift in uh, Delhi's position, Uh, emphasis on territorial integrity and sovereignty. Uh, Again, uh, people think now, That this subtle change is a significantly uh, good buy uh, for uh, people from Washington, D.C. That there is a marked difference in the way India looks at the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine. Uh, Mohal, anything you want to add there or we can move on?
0: No, I think you covered it pretty well, I think. Uh prime minister modi also received and quite a bit of applause when he mentioned this mm-hmm. this is not an error of what even i think when he made the statement initially uh when i think he met uh, president putin i mean even the us uh, state department and they welcomed the statement i mean All also right. the statement to territorial in, in sovereignty is also related to the chinese incursion into across the lac in Ladakh, so that would have like uh, more relevance in just more than just one th- theater
1: right right that gives me the perfect uh, segue to talk about the next thing that i have in mind which is about the chinese reaction now of course uh, uh, china watches everything closely and especially when you have a state visit to the u.s by the indian prime minister china would obviously be watching even more closer uh, Chinese media termed the United States enthusiasm for India to be wishful thinking. After all, uh, who can forget how uh, Global Times keeps mentioning that <laughs> whenever uh, whenever uh, 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 the U.S. tries to uh, talk about the uh, border incursion, uh, China's uh, Global Times has quick to uh, point it as saying that uh, the US is the real uh, troublemaker and it wants to encourage India to get uh, to uh, wage a war against China. So that is the kind of rhetoric that they always had. And even this time around they said uh, that uh, the enthusiasm uh, for India was nothing more than mere wishful thinking. Uh, now of course uh, Beijing is backing the uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin on the uh, the coup that uh, the attempted coup that we saw, and the U.S.-China cruise, wherein just about a week before uh, Modi was supposed to go to the U.S., uh, Jake sullivan uh, uh, no—it was uh, Anthony Blinken who visited uh, Beijing, and uh, there, uh, while all that was happening, uh, suddenly uh, we had the American President Joe Biden calling Chinese President Xi Jinping as a dictator. In a, in a private setting with uh, Democratic Party fundraisers. So all these uh, add up, all these uh, uh, add up to definitely paint a full picture. And uh, Chinese uh, definitely want uh, nothing of this, uh, wherein they don't want the US and uh, India uh, coming to the, coming together ever closer. So uh, this was again uh, something that caught my eye. And, uh, and no, no surprises there, but uh, their their uh, knack of pulling in uh, uh, colorful words uh, is always uh, good to watch. Uh, Mohal?
0: yeah, uh, I mean they can't be happy. I mean they always think that India is kind of uh, doing the bidding of the United States. Proxy in uh, yeah, and yeah, it's trying to uh, like. Uh, like not a a lab dog of the US but I mean close to that language that Hmm. they are always uh, doing the bidding of the Americans and the trouble is being stirred up by the Americans otherwise like you know India and China should be best of friends which I don't know in their (laughs) mind given all their uh, um, incursions across the Why would India be friend with them but that's for another podcast
1: absolutely uh, yeah, so uh, while all this was happening, there was something else that also happened, which uh, uh, which kind of stirred the hornet's nest, so to speak. Uh, there was a uh, interview of uh, President Barack Obama by CNN host uh, Christian Amanpour, and uh, she was talking about uh, the minority rights in uh, countries which are perceived to be uh, friends of the United States. And that is when she tried drawing a parallel between the human rights record of China and human rights record of India. And she kind of really kept harping on the same topic and essentially wanted Obama's take on it. And Obama uh, never lost that opportunity. He he managed to uh, have a jibe at India. And let me re- read out what uh, he said. And I quote, If the president meets with Prime Minister Modi, then the protection of the Muslim majority in a Hindu majority, India, is worth mentioning. If I had a conversation with Prime Minister Modi, who I know well, part of my argument would be that if you don't protect the rights of ethnic minorities in India, there is a strong possibility that India would at some point start pulling apart. He, he continued, Uh, We have seen what happens when you start uh, getting those kind of large internal conflicts. So that would be contrary to the interests of not only the Muslim India, but also the Hindu India. I think it is important to be able to talk about these things honestly, unquote. Uh, I mean, this, this kind of jibe had a lot of loopholes. And I'll quickly mention a few. First of all, these are not ethnic minorities. They are religious minorities. Ethnically, they all we all are one, one. Two, there's nothing called Muslim India, Hindu India, at least in terms of the constitution that we have. So again, uh, Obama was I, wrong I think there. that one,
0: that separated uh, Muslim Indians, uh, Hindu India, like in 1947. So I'm not sure like which decade is referring to here. Uh,
1: exactly, exactly. And then uh, he also kept mentioning that, uh, 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 what was that? Uh yeah, uh, large internal conflicts, and I don't think there are large internal conflicts. There are minor issues here and there in a few states once in a while, but definitely not large internal conflicts the way he mentioned. So I think uh, he he kind of uh, went bombastic with his words, uh, and that's a mild mild way of putting it. So uh, again, uh, I think I think he based everything on the partition riot that we had in 1947. And uh, maybe if he had told it in the best intention, then fine. But I don't think it was as simple as that. It was much more than that. And uh, again, uh, uh, the backdrop of uh, Modi's visit, uh, Modi's first state visit, and Obama mentioning this uh, can can definitely not be brushed under the carpet. Uh, Mohal?
0: Yeah, so I think... um a lot of people were alleging it's kind of a good cup bad cup rating rooting being played i mean since <laughs> biden can't say in public uh, uh, like uh, anything about like human rights that uh, many in the democratic party or in his administration would be wanting to pull up modi on because of the ever deepening relationship like they used uh, probably uh, uh, like the former president uh, barack obama Hmm. uh to attack him. I mean the, the timing was curious like it was right in the middle of the visit. Like why would he be choosing such a moment? So um uh, the other interesting part is like I think this is a lot of I mean even if this provoked a sharp response from the Indian side. I believe two ministers also uh uh returned the favor to Obama with uh, remarks on his term uh, I mean, it just became a political minefield also. I think some of these remarks were for the internal democratic far left. That I mean, mean, they. I think around six members of the uh, so-called squad in the U.S. Congress were going to boycott uh, the Prime Minister Modi's uh, address to Congress. And I think to satisfy that lobby uh I think they have put up Obama to do this kind of mischief I mean I mean I don't know what else to characterize it because if you remember like I mean like talking about like pulling itself apart is almost like calling for the balkanization of India which I think yeah. uh, most people would not take it kindly to any such remarks uh, as to like breaking India apart and uh, I, I think like he might not have a lot of friends left in india post this remark obviously minor minus the some of the uh, activist crowd so this was uh, but i think it was i think it's more to be looked past uh this but uh, i think the relationship is in a much more strong i mean even in even like uh uh, the national secretary Rosa jake sullivan said that uh, and i quote him ultimately the question of where politics and the question of democratic institutions go in india is going to be determined within india by indians it's not going to be determined by the united states end quote mm-hmm. so this means like i mean a lot of people who want like u.s intervention into india's in domestic politics will be disappointed i think the u.s do realize that there are uh uh divergences and uh conver- convergences i think they would have to work internally on the divergences but i think the convergences, especially on china are uh much greater where uh we need to they need to like focus on
1: yeah yeah okay so uh we'll we'll quickly wrap it up now uh anything that you uh, want to mention uh, right now
0: yeah so i think uh, See, like India and US, I mean, are becoming closer. I mean, they they are not like formal allies, obviously. Uh, we are never going to sign a formal treaty. I mean, we are going to have a formal treaty between India and US. Yeah, that's I mean, sure. uh, there will be a lot of economic, financial, technological linkages and cooperation. Uh, on the, I mean, US also understands that like their biggest... Uh, Uh, challenge today i mean obviously there's russia but also it's like china to say the least i mean they already have not good relations i mean for lack of better term with with, uh, russia and now china now if they start have deteriorating relationship with india i mean you cannot have like deteriorating relationship with like the the second and the third largest power and maybe i mean i wouldn't say like india is the fourth largest power but like with three big countries you don't want to end up uh having like bad relations so i think they need india it does need india in its corner and uh it will look past some of this as i said like divergences i mean the goal is how to i mean just like let's say if if you're with a friend like i mean you might not agree with everything he does but you look past those uh differences with your friends and you try to work on the commonality and how you can further your relationship or uh, friendship with your friend you know so it's like similar stuff i mean This uh, noise about human rights and democracy and illiberalism and stuff will keep coming up from time to time. But I mean, it's just more of noise at this point. As long as the China threat is in the background, I don't see this would become like a breaking point. Obviously, as as we said, I mean, I might sound like a broken record on our previous podcast that this is all, uh, I mean... To satisfy the domestic constituents, Mm -hmm. some of these issues will have to be raised from time to time. And it will generate a lot of TRP and clickbait and media headlines. And some in India who don't like uh, Prime Minister Modi will be happy to see these uh, comments being made by the US side. But they have like very little uh, bearing on the overall, uh, I mean, trajectory of the relationship, which is just upward. I mean, I mean... You can see like how important the relationship. I mean, even on the, at the state dinner for Biden by Prime Minister Modi, the US Marine Bad played like the iconic Lata Mangeshkar's uh, song A eh Mere Watan Ke Logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, this it is something that wasn't lost on all the guests. I mean, now in India, we all know the significance of the song which was written in the aftermath of the humiliating defeat in the 1962 war yeah. with China so i mean even like some small um stuff like this like playing an iconic song which is related to the china war playing at the state dinner has like a significant life which like i wouldn't say, like, would say like it has significant consequences but it's of uh what's the word i'm looking for um sorry i at a lost four words i no, mean it is like
1: yeah definitely quite a significant
0: yeah it, has, not, uh, yeah, it has. Yeah, uh, it quite significant. Uh, uh, I mean, it might be a token representation of the relationship, but it's still like uh, it means something to Indians as Indians, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, you will always keep hearing uh, uh, the uh, the two spec uh, the two ends of the spectrum, even in the US. I mean, uh, Geeta Mohan, Indian journalist who was in the U.S. at that time, managed to uh, catch hold of uh, Elon Musk while he was exiting after meeting uh, Prime Minister Modi. And uh, when uh, she asked about uh, the Twitter uh, uh, tiff that they have had with the Indian enforcement uh, authorities, uh, Elon Musk clearly said that uh, the U.S. version of democracy cannot be Superimposed on any other country. I mean, that's what he meant. I'm obviously paraphrasing. So uh, that's the one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is where uh, they want India to absolutely uh, uh, go by the rule book of the American value based uh, democracy. So you will always get to hear these two uh, differing uh, takes. And uh, that is something that uh, the Indian uh, side also fully understands and appreciates so I think I think this will continue but uh, the the uh, the friendship or the relationship uh, are such is growing from uh, strength to strength so I think uh, the minor things can be uh can be left out of this.
0: yeah I mean if you look at the broader picture defense cooperation has grown exponentially I think as per reports I think we ordered almost like 20 billion of uh, defense equipment in the last I would say a decade plus. I mean, also we get on a designation as a major defense partner in 2016, uh, strategic trade authorization in 2018. Uh, Obviously, there'll be like, oh yeah and also remember like we had the three foundational agreements signed right i mean i think we covered some of these in our podcast like lamoa comcasa and becca also during the the standoff with china like i think uh, u.s was providing real-time information to the indians so i mean
1: yeah
0: i mean short of like see like if there is a if the balloon goes up in the south china see indians are going to send warships to fight along with the u.s and conversely if chinese uh, ha- look for a military skirmish across the LAC India has to fight on its own I mean as I was like jokingly uh, telling somebody that I mean you have to fight your own battles yeah somebody can come and prepare you I mean let's say if there was some uh, uh, some Gali ka gunda in your colony I mean he, the other guy your friend is not going to come fight for you yeah. He might train you, he might tell you the latest Kung Fu or jujitsu. or I mean he might give you protein shakes to build up your muscles or he might even give you real time intelligence of hey where that enemy is coming from like you know but in the end when it comes to the blows you have to do your fighting and mm. I think that's what I mean we are not a treaty ally and India is like confident of like defending herself so there will be like certain restrictions I mean I know like people like Ashley Talis said like India they have made a back, bad bet on India but I mean in In the Foreign Office article, but if you think of it like honestly, uh it's like too uh negative of a view because I mean there will India won't do all the bidding of the i mean the Ukraine war has perfectly seen, and I think the United States does understand the Indian viewpoint has come around to the viewpoint, but I mean, it's taken quite a bit of diplomatic effort on India to make them see the point, so obviously there'll be differences from uh, time to time, but I think they have to work on the strategic convergences. And I think one reason why people are called this visit as an inflection point in the relationship is like the uh, the set, like, you know, and all the mm. technological yeah. stuff that has been promised to India. I mean, you know, whether that happens is a, is an open question, but uh, in semi uh in defense technology sharing of the GEF 414 engine, so what's different is like earlier, like there were like statements or maybe there was this defences, but this time there's a, a clear, uh, I would say like enthusiasm on the US side to transfer a lot of the critical technologies to India because they do see India as a valued partner in uh, especially their uh, larger struggle against uh, Chinese hegemony in like Asia and around the world. So I mean, many people are calling it like maybe an inflection point in the relationship. Uh, Maybe that's true. I mean, hopefully all this technology that has been promised does come over and does uh, 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 strengthen Indian, uh, uh, what you call the, not only the resolve on the border, but also Indian capabilities to uh, further uh, check uh, Chinese advances in the neighborhood and across Asia. Kishore?
1: okay yeah so uh, that's about the defense uh, cooperation and also the ally discussion that keeps coming up Uh, but then i think uh, to sum it all up what i found uh, uh, interesting was the remark that came from uh, uh, indian ex-ambassador to china uh, mr gautam Bambavle, and uh, he said and i quote him today India, China, US are the three largest economies in the world in terms of PPP purchasing power parity. If any two of them come closer to each other, it will be alarming or discomforting to the to the third. Um, so that that was his actual words. Uh, of course, if uh, uh, India, China can cannot uh, see eye to eye, although China wants India to do that, uh, India, China. Uh, growing stronger and stronger in terms of their bilateral relationship will obviously lead to a lot of uh, irritation for China. And that is what we keep seeing in their, in their uh, media outlets. So I think that sums it all up. Uh, while while there is a lot of bilateral relationship growth that we see, uh, one eye is definitely on what the Chinese reaction will be. So that is something that will keep coming up Uh, for discussion time and time again. Uh, Mohal, anything else that you want to add before we wind up?
0: No, I think you summed it up well in the end.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay, so uh, people, this is what uh, we intended to cover as part of uh, the uh, state visit of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi to the United States. Now, to continue hearing about more such interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel, India Rising, wherever you are listening to us. If you are listening to us on YouTube, uh, please press the bell icon to get notifications about new episodes. And if you have not left us a review, we again urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. We would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like us to cover do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. And as we conclude, uh, this is uh, a time to remember that uh, the the visit itself was unprecedented and it caught a lot of uh, media attention. Now until the next time, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off.